What's up, podcast listeners? Yeah, it's the Matt Baxter Show. I'm hanging out with, you guessed it, Matt Baxter. I am your podcast host, and I'm hanging out with Palash Sony. Palash Sony is the co-founder and CEO of Goldcast. They help B2B marketers all around the world. Palash has an amazing, amazing, amazing background. He has been a part of uh, so many different organizations designed around helping companies get more customers, helping companies market to customers, helping company land more customers, helping companies keep customers. He's awesome. I learned a ton. Uh, He has just just created a bunch of amazing material out there for people to follow along and tune into. So I would highly encourage you to do that. Also, he's just an amazing guy. So Palash, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. And I hope everybody enjoyed it just as much as I did. Palash, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. My pleasure, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm a little jealous. Before the show, you mentioned that you're in Boston. Boston is one of my favorite cities in the world, so I'm fired up for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so so give me give me the background. Give me the rundown. I mean, give me the give me the life story of kind of what what let you know. Obviously, you're doing some amazing things, and excited to hear more about it. But give me the rundown of kind of your backstory and uh, you know what led you up to today. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. So yeah, feel free to dig in, cut me off at any point if you want, but. Um, I was, as you can see from my accent, born and brought up in India. So <laughs> I um, was born in the central part of India, which is, you know, generally not that well financially. So I belong to like, a, I would say a lower middle class family um, and uh, kind of grew up and all our sort of family background, except my mom and dad were all businessmen, right? Like small business um, people. So I think that kind of DNA has always um it remained with me. Like I remember when I was um, small, right? Like I was ten years old. I um, I somehow got my hands on the secondhand video game, right? Which was a novelty in the early, like late nineties in India. So I would I started like a little small business, charge people like one rupee, which is I think a sixtieth of a cent or something like that to play yeah. for fifteen minutes. So <laughs> that was I think my first brush with uh, business. Um, then from there on, I, um, uh, you know, I was interested in, in engineering always. So I went for undergrad doing engineering at uh, the school called IIT Kanpur. So I spent five years there doing a BS and MS in, in electrical engineering. And um, at, at some point there, I was, uh, you know, got interested in, in tech a lot. Um, and I even planned to do a PhD. But um, after working at a tech company like Core electronics company, this company called Qualcomm, which you know most people know, um, I realized that probably, you know, PhD is not my thing, right? I need something more at the intersection of tech and management. So I, I joined this manufacturing CPG firm in India called ITC, which is like a competitor to PNG and very big in Asia. So uh, I was in manufacturing there, spent three years there, learned a lot. Uh, manufacturing is a weird place to be, but also a pretty steep learning curve, especially in in, um, in a lot of like core life skills, like management and taking big, making big decisions and, and aligning people and making sure things don't go wrong and those kind of things. So I learned a lot there. Uh, and one of my big learnings there was um, I could do whatever, right? I could do an excellent job in manufacturing the soaps that I was manufacturing, but the the core of the company was uh, marketing, right? Like marketing ran the company and that's what caused 
the company to go up and down. So I built some fascination for marketing there in, in that time. And um, from there on, I joined uh, an ad tech company after that called Inmobi. So it said, okay, it's a, it's a tech company which is impacting marketing. And I got to uh, see up close what, you know, how technology impacts marketing. This was like 2015 when, um, when the shift from shift of dollars into digital advertising, right, was at, at its peak, like Facebook, Google, they were all going crazy and, and the ad tech world was on fire. So um, I saw that and I realized that marketing is something that kind of, you know, shifts a lot uh, in terms of how it's done. Um, and marketing, although the end goal is always the same, right, like telling the story of the brand, uh, the modality and the medium changes and is always disrupted by technology. Uh, a lot. So uh, with that kind of like high level message, I came for my MBA to the US um, at Harvard Business School. And uh, my single goal of coming for MBA here was um, not to actually do what typically MBAs do, which is you know work at big companies after, but to actually start up. So while I was, you know, through my seven years of job life, right, I had a brush with entrepreneurship like three or four times. So there were ideas that I was excited about. I would evaluate them. I would, you know, run some MVPs and then eventually decided not to pursue it. So <laughs> I was sort of frustrated, but also driven by this, this desire, uh, which comes back from, I think my family DNA to start something and do something of my own. Right. So yeah, I so evaluating ideas as a first year MBA student and had the open space and you know, the mind space to actually do that. Um, and uh, and then we came on to to Goldcast. Um, I can dig in deep with there if you. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely dive uh, quite a bit into the current business today. But, you know, first, first thing I want to I want to touch on is I love the hustler yeah. mentality of, hey, you stumbled upon a video game, then all, then all of a sudden started selling it. I mean, so you mentioned that like, um, and, and I hope these are just kind of more for me culturally understand. I hope none of these are yeah. inappropriate questions, but you mentioned no, coming from a family of yeah. small businesses um, yes. and small business owners with where you grew up. Was that normal? Was that unusual? Like, was it sort of people launching something to sort of, you know, build for themselves and build for their family? And that was pretty common or was that unusual? No, Matt, actually that's not unusual, I would say, but that's like the way of life. So in the region where I was, there were, and still today, no corporates, right? So there's no like corporate job there. It's either you work for the government or you do your own business. So yeah, it was the way of life. And we were predominantly, you know, in that category of um, businesses. My dad was a government uh, employee, right? So he worked for the government and he was an engineer, but um, everyone else was like a small business owner. <laughs> Got it. No, I, I, I love it. And it's fascinating for me to learn. Um, and then you mentioned you went for, uh, to undergrad for electrical engineering, yes. correct? Was that, you know, was that a far out there career path? Was that kind of right down the fairway of a typical thing that somebody would do or what walk me through a little bit of how that played with sort of a, a normal versus traditional path or excuse me, normal and traditional versus an unusual path. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, so it's, um, yeah, that's a great question. So in my family, it was sort of unusual because, um, I think my dad was uh, the one who went to like a, 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 a good engineering school, but typically people would not go for engineering and, and they would focus on either you know, doing something and just working in the family business or 
um, or like being academic was not a norm. But like doing going for engineering is sort of the norm in middle class India. So I would say I guess that was my ticket to the middle class. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it makes um, uh, it makes sense. And then I mean, so. Uh, Obviously, congratulations on the Harvard MBA, and that's to to go from what you described as you know working towards the middle class. I mean, certainly a Harvard MBA is uh, an incredible, prestigious honor. I mean, so was that just like you always had your eyes set on that? Did you look at other locations, or is it just like, hey, that's where I'm going to go and I'm going to do it? I mean, walk me through kind of the the decision making process that led led you up there. Yeah, thank you, man. That's a that's a great question. So. Um... I never actually, like, I, MBA was always something that I had considered, but never actually thought about it seriously because I could not answer the why behind it, right? Um, and my goal, I think it was clear to me, like, fourth year of my job life that I want to do something of my own. Um, and while I was working at Inmobi, right, um, I saw, like, I took a liking to MarTech and software, right, which was something new for me at that time and even new for India, for that matter, right? Um, so, um, I was always thinking like, what is the, the, I would say the ideal way to build a category defining really innovative software business, right? That was the question I was trying to answer. Um, and I saw my CEO. So my CEO was, uh, an HBS grad, uh, back in the day, like 2005. And I could see how that experience of being in the biggest market, in the world, right? Being in the US and getting exposed to so many different, very smart people and being in the ecosystem had shaped how he thought about things, how uh, he took the company, how that idea came and, and everything else, right? So um, when I decided to pull the trigger and say, okay, I want to do this, um, this was like MBA was the most, like I would say natural answer to this because I, it would give me the opportunity to not be wed to any particular company and have the open space to think about anything in a very you know unhinged manner so that was the the goal i thought okay let's try to get into a good mba program where i can get exposed to very smart people and i hope that getting into the chaos of us of mba which is meeting a lot of people and getting bombarded with a lot of new things and ideas i will likely stumble upon something that excites me that fits my skill set and where I can actually build something of my own. I, I love it. And uh, you mentioned, you know, get into a decent, decent MBA program. I mean, you picked uh, not a bad one, that's for sure. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> so, you know, walk me through, uh, so, 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 you know, your startup life, um, you've had obviously some involvement in a couple different companies. So walk me through, you know, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Goldcast and certainly for the audience to be able to hear a little bit about that. And we'll, we'll kind of dive into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, but this was I can I can like go back to that story. This was I think like start of 2020, right? COVID had not yet happened, and me and my co-founder Kishore, we were evaluating a couple of ideas, right? And one of them was my favorite topic, Martech, right? So what we did was, as MBA students, right, who think high level, <laughs> we started thinking, okay, what are the big markets in marketing, right? Which are not completely disrupted by technology the way say ads have, right? Or mail, direct mail has. 
um, and, email, and and events came to fore because events have always been very core to how you know marketing is done, especially in the B two B context. But they have sort of remained the same. There's general frustration with events uh, about them not being scalable, being low ROI, and um, not having much visibility on what's happening there amongst you know marketing executives. So we started thinking about building some kind of a CRM for events, and this was an idea we were evaluating in like around Feb of 2020. We dove very deep and talked to a lot of people. And then uh, COVID hit. And once COVID hit, we thought, okay, maybe uh, bad timing. Let's, uh, let's pivot. Let's do something else. Uh, but what we realized very quickly was maybe this is a better opportunity to build a business like this because we can now own the modality of the event itself. Like we can own the event itself because events are becoming virtual and eventually will become omnichannel, right? So we thought that this is probably a bigger opportunity where we can not only be the destination for the event, but also build the intelligence layer for events that was always the idea. So uh, we took this thesis and then we did what, <laughs> what you know early stage people do, which is, try to talk to customers and because we knew no one in the US, right, especially in this niche field of event marketing in B2B firms, which is like really niche, uh, we just emailed some hundred people, uh, cold email from our student IDs and 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 surprisingly we got heard back from like 20 of them. And most of them ended up becoming our customers or advisors or investors. But um, it was pretty amazing to hear back from complete strangers and two, you know, Indian MBA students uh, reaching out and and hearing back. So that kind of built the affinity for the community from the get-go, but also sort of clarified that the, the vein that we have touched, right, which is events need to be a lot more like a modern marketing medium, which is where they need to be measurable, actionable. Um, that vein is the, that is the right emotion to go after. So uh, we took that as a great sign and then started uh, building towards that um, in, May of 2020, um, and very quickly we realized that it's a it's a it's a competitive market, right? So we we raised a little bit of capital, and and then since then it's been a roller coaster ride. But yeah, that's like the genesis story of Coldcast. <laughs> I uh, no, it's 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 amazing to hear. And one of the questions, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, it was um, what it's like starting a U.S. based company. You know, not originally being from the U.S. I mean, I I was yeah. born here, and um, I'm sure that there are plenty of uh, benefits to being born here and launching a company here that I would never even know or understand. And so uh, you kind of highlighted a very obvious one is like, we launched a company here and we didn't know anybody. So when we went yeah. to talk to people, we didn't, we had to meet them for the first time, which is <laughs> probably in some regards may actually be a benefit because you're kind of cold pitching or at least kind of, you, you don't have the bias of a friend telling you, oh, that's a great idea when you know it's really not. But at the same yeah. time, you don't know who to reach out to. You don't have the network. So, I mean, kudos to you for taking that on. I, I, I and, and I guess the other thing too would be, what would be some other, um, areas of launching a company in the US not being from here that maybe people wouldn't even recognize or know, whatever you felt comfortable sharing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Matt. So I think one of the things that you you mentioned is is the biggest one, right? Like we really didn't know um, anyone in the US besides like our class at HBS, right? So, and, but what I think that helped is 
you're right it helped us get us out of our comfort zone very quickly so we were when in the first early days i right, really scrambling to get our hands on anyone right either someone who can give us customer advice or who can give us money right so we would cold reach out to hps alums cold reach out to our undergrad folks who were you know executives at in in tech companies in, in the bay area so we did all of that and i think that moment um of or, or those initial few months of really struggling to to get in front of the right kind of people shaped our sort of working philosophy which was to always keep our hands dirty so yeah i think that was that would not have probably happened had i done it in india but <laughs> it did happen here as well and i think one thing that's very i would say maybe as you know people who have been born and brought up here uh, will not uh, realize is that this country is really friendly to enterprises i think the the number of early adopters in the us is it's just way more than anywhere else right like people value even strangers who are you know taking a leap making a bet um i think that's that's a that's a really phenomenal thing about the us so i'm i i would say it's if you were a complete stranger anywhere in the world us is the best place to to start up <laughs> the other thing is visas which is a pretty tactical but important thing so um we ran into this problem that we didn't have the right kind of visas to work on right and that was that caused a lot of problems that like one of the investors who made us an early offer pulled out a term sheet because of that um and we realized that actually there are visas for entrepreneurs that the us government had um that make it actually easy for you to get a visa if you are at, if you are starting up and and generating employment and that's also not something a lot of people know like i am I, since then since i got the visa i've helped probably 15 other people um get that from probably like six different countries around the world um but that was also pretty surprising given us is known for slightly stringent immigrant immigration policies it's still very friendly to people who are starting up on their own yeah no i, I mean a lot of, a lot of those i think kind of tactically hearing you say out loud are make a lot of sense and it's um, you know, it's funny to hear you say that of all places, uh, U.S. is one of the greatest places to to launch a company because even strangers are not afraid to take in bets. I mean, you see that like I, I don't think people realize how much of like complete degenerate gamblers the U.S. people really are. I mean, because you think about like, yes, there are other world uh, stock markets, but you think about the U.S. market. There are people every single day betting on a new IPO or a new company or thinking something's going to tank. And and these are not just sophisticated investors. These are just like people all over the place. And so the, the fact that that also carries to in a positive light of like, I want to launch something. I want to, I, I want to see this through and people rallying around to support that. I think that's a, I think that's a proud moment, obviously for, for the U S to consider. So thank you for sharing Absolutely. that. Thank you. My pleasure. So, so what is uh what is, you know, what does it truly mean to be an entrepreneur for you? I mean, I could think about like, obviously there's the hustlers attitude. There's a mentality around like, Hey, you know, I, I I can see something that's a, a a valuable thing, like even a video game that my buddies or friends want to use, and they don't have access to it, and so they're willing to pay a little bit of money for the enjoyment of getting to play the game, all the way to um, helping companies build out their pipeline for events, uh, you know, around the world. I mean, so there, there's obviously a story there, but so what 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 to, what does entrepreneurship mean to you, and um, how have you learned and grown uh, in your entrepreneurial career? Yeah, yeah, great question, Matt. So. I think one of the things that you will hear from most people right on your show is that 
inherent desire to build, right? So I I always had that, like that's what drew me to engineering and then to manufacturing, right? Um, uh, because I always wanted to build stuff. So um, I think that was always top of mind for me. And I would always get drawn to startups from from very early age, right? This even in 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 my undergrad, this was like seven two thousand seven nine ish in India, right? When startups was not a thing, uh, there I was still pretty drawn to to startups, right? And that world and and whatever I could get my hands on that information, and I never really knew why, right? Besides the obvious, which is that I like building, um, but in this journey at Goldcast, right, uh, we have had different kind of moments, right, where I didn't have any money, right, in in some time, and I was really living a super like frugal life, and and we have seen the very highs and lows and everything, right. And what I realized in this whole time is that what really drives me, what really like pushes me to be an entrepreneur is the drive for independence. Like for me, I think being independent and having control on what I am doing, having control of my destiny, but also control on smaller things like right, like my schedule and, and who I choose to work with and who I choose to work partner with, things like that. I think that is like super important for me. So there was there's actually a discussion that I was having with my co-founder Kishore, right? He's this was like the Q4 of 2020 uh, when we, you know, we, we were actually thinking maybe Goldcast doesn't, would not work. This was pre-revenue, right? Our product had no adoption and we were running into a lot of problems. And we were just discussing out of, you know, after a really long discussion, like what drives you really? And I asked him out of jest, right? Uh, that would you prefer to be like the CEO of like a 50 person startup or uh, would you prefer to be a partner, partner at BCG, right? Which is the most obvious path out of HBS. And he said partner at VCG, and I said 50-person startup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm fine being like that no name. You know, I would not say no name. I would really, like, I really value that. Um, I would be fine with running a startup which is, you know, going on its own, but I have the independence and the agency on my life than, you know, being, say, an MD at Goldman Sachs. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. I mean, the, the, the idea of... Um, you know, I, I think people over glamorize what it means to be an entrepreneur because you get to pick yeah. your schedule, but they assume that means you don't have to work. No, no, it's the opposite. Yeah. I, it's I'm probably going to work 12 hours today, but I get to choose those 12 hours. And yeah. it's not for somebody else. It's for, it's for you know, building a, a business that I believe in. It's for investors that I want to help, you know, make healthy returns. It's for employees that I see huge potential in. And those are all things that I get to choose opposed to um, yeah, I, I have a nice title and a, and a nice bonus at the end of the quarter, but I'm listening at the end of the day and I'm building this for somebody else. And so, you know, I, I think there's just so much to that, that goes unnoticed when it comes to just being a part of something that you believe in. It doesn't always have to be the owner. Like I have happened to own businesses myself my whole life, but you know, the right opportunity, I would go work alongside for something, somebody else, if it was the right mission or be a partner, yeah. you know, I, I've got partners myself now. So it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm 100% with you. I'd much rather the no-name 50-person startup than the uh, than the managing partner. And quite frankly, the 50-person startup at some point is probably going to become more well-known than one of many, 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 many managing partners at a huge company. Not that there's anything wrong with that, yeah. but I think people yeah. kind of miss that as well too. So no, I yeah. love it. Um, 
So kind of two, two questions here as we, you know, kind of, kind of close up a little bit. My, one of my favorite questions, um, to ask is like, let's, let's, I hope this does not happen, but let's say, you, you know, you, you died tomorrow and at your funeral, people yeah. said, you know, Palash, uh, impacted me in blank this way. What would you want them to say? Oh, very, very good question, Matt. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, I think one thing that I really, really value is respect. So I will say, like, I would want them to say, Palash made me feel respected. And that's very important and nuanced because um, as a CEO, right, I have to have tough conversations more often than, you know, normally you would have with people. Um, and I think what I realized and I, I want it for myself and for everyone else is, uh, whatever you do, right? Even if you are actually like giving very critical feedback to someone, it has to be with respect. Right? You do, the respect has to be first, be it with employees, with family, with kids, parents, everyone. I think uh, treating everyone with respect, even if you are letting them go, is the most important thing for me uh, in my sort of like philosophy of interacting with other humans. Um, so that's what I would want them to say, yes. <laughs> I love it. And my uh, my favorite question on the planet is, uh, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets me out of the bed in the morning? Yeah, I think the the same same feeling, right? That I am building something on my own, and and uh, I have the independence and agency on my future. That's what gets me out of bed every morning. Um, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, Palash, for you know anybody who wants to follow along uh, and reach out to you personally, um, Goldcast and your business, and learn more about that, or just kind of follow out some of the content that you're putting out, what's the best way for people to reach out, get in touch with you, hear more about you? Uh, LinkedIn is the best. I'm, you know, if you search Palash Sony, probably I'll be the, the only one. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm always active on LinkedIn. Yeah. So any connection request message on LinkedIn is always going to get answered. I love it. I love it. Well, Palash, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. This has been awesome and I uh, love learning from you. Thank you, Matt. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Bye. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Matt Baxter Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye. <laughs>